This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, everybody. Welcome into the flagship podcast. I mean, this doesn't get any better than this, right? We're all losing our minds from the pandemic, but we come together every week right here on this flagship podcast. I'm joined, of course, by our fearless leader, the managing editor of Horns 24-7, Taylor Estes. Taylor, how are you doing? I'm good, Chip. How was your Memorial Day weekend? Hey, you know what? I was thankful to have some days with the family. We dodged the rains. Mm -hmm. I mean and gave thanks to all of those men and women who have paid the ultimate uh, price for our freedom. Uh, thank you to all those men and women who are listening right now. Yeah. And, uh, and thank you for all that you do for us and to let us live in the best country on the planet. And hopefully you will be rewarded with college football this yeah. fall. Taylor, how was your Memorial Day weekend? It was good. I uh, didn't really do a ton. I uh, just kind of relax with my family. I've still kind of been a little like hunkered down um, with the whole social distancing and sheltering in place just because I really want to go visit my family in California and my parents are in their 70s. So I just have been ultra, you know, careful with where I go just to not hopefully push back the time because I haven't seen them since Christmas. So yeah. Um, but otherwise, yeah, it was good. I went to the pool, stayed in the shade because I have to hide from the shade after I had an accident last summer that scarred up my body. So <laughs> that was interesting. But otherwise, you know, um, it's not about us. You know, Memorial Day is about honoring the people who fight for this country and the ones who have given their life for this country and for our freedom and celebrating their you know, duty. And, um, you know, I, I kind of hate when people will say even happy Memorial day, because I don't view it as that, you know, I view it as we should be recognizing those who give us this freedom to be able to hang out the pool and hang out with family for a whole weekend while, you know, their families mourn their, their memory. So, um, but overall I thought it was a good weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And there was some good football news too, that came last week, late last week, possibly so I don't, big, big uh, step, hopefully in the right direction. So late Friday, the uh, announcement goes out that the Big 12 presidents and chancellors have voted to allow football student athletes to return to campus for voluntary workouts beginning June 15th. And this now supersedes the guidelines that the Big 12 had saying no team activities, no nothing, no on-campus activities through May 31st. So football student-athletes will be allowed by the Big 12 to come back um, for voluntary workouts starting June 15th. Now, voluntary workouts, Taylor, which we know there's rarely a lot that's voluntary. Right. um, Quote-unquote. But... Voluntary workouts are not supposed to include 
any coaches or even football support staff when these student athletes are working out. Right. It can be facilities staff to make sure that things are clean and that certain parts of the weight room, are, they're probably going to be partitioned off so that you have only a certain number of, of kids in each area to maintain social distance. You can have staff in to maintain that, but not football staff. So that's the latest. And it came late on a Friday, which I'm like, why aren't you trotting this out early when people can get that headline out? I don't know how many people even caught that headline right. late on Friday of Memorial Day, Day weekend. So um, volleyball, soccer, cross-country athletes, they can return to campus for voluntary workouts beginning July 1st. And then every other student athlete uh, not named in those previous sports can return uh, July 15th for voluntary workouts. So as Bob Bowlesby has told us, the Big 12 commissioner, uh, everything needs to kind of be up and running by July 15th in terms of student athletes getting into conditioning for a four-week fall camp. So getting kids back for voluntary workouts June 15th seems to fit in that timeline. Right. Yeah, for sure. I think that this is hopefully a step in the right direction. Um, it is interesting just to see how the different conferences right now are handling this because the SEC, their vol voluntary workouts are allowed to start back up June 8th. So the Big 12 will be um, a week after the SEC and we'll get to that a little bit later in our love it or leave it section in the show. But, uh, you know, I think that this is obviously a step in the right direction. I mean, the reality is everybody, you know, safety is a hundred percent the first, you know, the first thing that everybody should have on their minds right now. Um, but I just, I, this whole time has been really difficult for me to imagine not having a college football season in the fall. And so I hope that this means that we will have a college football season in the fall. Um, because, I mean, it's been, it's been crazy not having any sports at all. I mean, Chip, did you watch the match between um, Peyton Manning and Tiger Woods and Tom Brady and Phil Mickelson over the weekend? I did. I mean, I it was like, watch that. yeah, it was like one of the highest rated golf events, like live broadcast golf events, I think in history. I think I saw a stat Cable. like that. Yeah. yeah. Cable. Which I mean, it just means it supersedes like the Friday or those early rounds of the majors that have been on um, on cable. So, yeah, I think it just goes show that the sports world is fiending right now for any sports. I mean, literally a few weeks ago, I was watching cornhole on ESPN, like cornhole championships. And I was just dialed in like it was my job to watch cornhole. <laughs> I have a whole new cornhole release, uh, <laughs> you know, because I've been watching cornhole on ESPN. This is amazingly sad. And yet, heartening at the same time because everybody plays cornhole yeah no so okay all, i did too yeah we can all see ourselves in this competition right mm -hmm. exactly but, it doesn't take much athleticism so whoever. Right. <laughs> like oh i'm the best at cornhole in my neighborhood yeah or garbage exactly in front of a live whatever live cameras and prize money and all that stuff but right no i'm i i totally feel you on this and and so yes hopefully these dates and it is interesting to note and we've got a great uh, great show today with 
let's make sure that we tell you that Sam Acho, I mean, we are all about the Achos and equal time for the Achos here <laughs> lately on the flagship podcast. Emmanuel Acho joining us last week. That was a, that was a hot one. A lot of people uh, tuned in and please go, uh, go, you know, give us a sub subscribe, subscribe to us on iTunes, give us a five-star rating. That would uh, really impress our bosses. Yes. And, and so Emmanuel Acho last week talking about everything from um, his time at Texas to his TV career taking off to Manny Diaz. And now Sam Acho, who's been making headlines as one of the executive committee members of the NFLPA, and I think doing a great job talking about everything from the collective bargaining agreement to adjustments possibly to the Rooney rule. Uh, we will talk to Sam Acho, and, uh, and, and he's still hoping to sign with a team. He was with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the end of last year. He'd sure love to go back to Tampa Bay this year with all the yeah. excitement going on with Tom Brady and, and whatnot. But, um, yeah, so we got, uh, we got a big show, big show. Absolutely. Yeah. And make sure you head over to the iTunes channel to subscribe to the flagship and all of the horns 24 seven. Um, you know, our, our team of our trio, I guess you would call it a, of a podcast with the flagship, the state of recruiting a longhorn blitz, but yeah, we, we had to give Sam Acho his time on the show after we gave Emmanuel. we can't be playing favorites here. I mean, right. <laughs> oh, right. I mean, especially the older brother. I mean, you yeah. Know, the older brother has seniority. He's got to, he's got to have his, his time, but um, Taylor, it's interesting. Oklahoma today. We're, we're recording on a Tuesday and Oklahoma has announced that they will uh, have their football student athletes come back to campus for voluntary workouts beginning uh, July 1st, mm -hmm. which is two weeks after what the big 12 said right. uh, is, you know, open and available, which would be June 15th, Oklahoma saying they will start those voluntary workouts for football July 1st. I remember Lincoln Riley was quoted recently saying the biggest mistake we can make is rushing things and we should use all the time possible uh, to make sure that we're getting all the latest information and, and, you know, before we try to hurry back into, um, you know, day-to-day -day activity in hopes of having a successful college semester and college football season. So interesting that OU decides they'll come in and do voluntary workouts two weeks after the Big 12 says it's permissible. Right. Is this Lincoln Riley being like, mm, I won the conference last five straight years. No big deal. I, I can push it back. I'll give my guys some more resting time. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to question the, the mule shoe magician. I mean, this guy... It doesn't matter who he puts under center at quarterback. They, they end up at the Heisman ceremony. His team ends up in the playoff with a big 12 title and they, those quarterbacks end up a high draft pick. So if not the number one draft pick for, for Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. So back to back. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I think Texas fans probably were losing their mind over the sec saying that voluntary workouts could start June 8th. Right. And now they're not quite sure what to make of OU saying, oh, yeah, well, we won't even we're not even going to start that up until July 1st. Right. Yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting, especially with Texas having LSU on week two of the schedule, assuming that the college football season um, does not, you know, change any 
you know, timeline or anything like that, Texas will play, is scheduled to play LSU, I believe, on September 12th. So I would imagine some Texas fans were a little disappointed to hear that they are allowed to come back uh, seven days after the SEC is allowing their student athletes back for voluntary workouts. But, you know, as you mentioned, I, I wonder how important the voluntary workouts for one week would be and how much of an impact that would make. I mean, you know, we'll, we'll discuss that a little bit later, but um, it's definitely something to pay attention to because, I mean, that's usually the time when the team really builds their camaraderie. You know, that's when the leaders step up. And what a lot of people, you know, who have not played football don't realize is the off-season months a lot of times are the most crucial in developing those leaders because if they're not, you know, coming – Stefan, making guys show up for these voluntary workouts, making sure to set it up at times where everybody's able to be there, there's not going to be leadership in a football season. You need that for the entire offseason. It's been difficult, I think, for Texas or for any school right now with um, the shutdown of campus activity and everything and doing everything through Zoom and whatnot. But, you know, it'll be imp very important, I think, especially for Texas with a veteran roster, but still breaking in. You know, some of the guys are still a little inexperienced, I guess. You know, they started last season, but when it comes to being a leader, you can't just learn that on the fly. You know, that's something that's, in in my opinion, something you can't really teach a lot of times. So it'll be interesting for Texas' sake to see who, what other leaders. We know Sam Ellinger is a leader. We know that Joseph Osai is a leader, but who else is? And Sam Cosme, he's a leader, but who else is going to step up? Right, and that. Uh, I mean, I've said Texas has a distinct advantage with 16 starters returning from last year, including their, their starting quarterback and their um, you know, leading tackler and playmaker on defense, Joseph Osai. That is going to be a huge advantage, um, even with new coordinators over teams that are trying to break in a new quarterback or have um, or are having to replace you know, 10 or more starters. Because it, the proving ground, as you just said, usually happens during the summer when, when the guys are doing their own workouts or throwing the football, doing their own version of seven-on-seven, seven, and, and really earning the respect of their teammates with the plays that they're making in those summer workouts. Right. So it's, that is an advantage for Texas, just having guys who've been on the field together in big games know how those players have responded in the past and for some more favorably than others. But uh, I, I think it's fair to say that with those 16 starters returning, there's a, there's a high level of comfort in the fact that those guys have been in big games already together. And, and when they get back together, it should be, you know, kind of picking up where they left off and, and then, it's all about how well the new coordinators, Mike Yersich on offense, Chris Ash on defense, can get their their uh, offenses and defenses to a comfort level for these players where they can just react and play fast. And that comes with reps. There's no other way around it. You have to get those reps so that the comfort level is there. And that's that's something that every single college football team is going to have to deal with in a compressed time frame. So. A uh, lot going on, but little by little, it seems each week, Taylor, we have some kind of update on you know, where things are inching toward a college football season. And 
And so the latest news from the Big 12 is encouraging. Yeah, I totally agree. And, you know, Tom Herman, he said it himself, even said it when we had him on um, in our one-on-one interview with him back earlier. um, Gosh, when was that? Was that April or March? I can't even remember. (laughs) Early April, I think it was. But, you know, when he came on, he was saying, the one good thing that came out of last season with Texas breaking in so many new starters, especially on defense, breaking in, I believe it was eight new starters on defense, was they now have the experience. So sure, they only have one season of experience, but it's better than none. And you saw what no experience for Texas ended up being like um, with an eight and five record and a disappointing 2019 finish. So, you know, the youth is an excuse that's no longer, you know, that's no longer on the table. And uh, we've talked about it a lot, Chip, about how it's now or never, in my opinion, for if Texas is going to turn the corner under Tom Herman's watch. And even with how you mentioned, you know, seven new coaches on the staff, two new coordinators installing new schemes, it's still, that's not the excuse. I mean, these are, this was Tom Herman's hand selecting his own coaches, not the staff that he brought with him from Houston. He handpicked these guys. And uh, it'll be really interesting to see. I think we're going to learn a lot about Tom Herman as a head coach because he's still so new as a head coach. I mean, let's be honest about it. You know, he he's only been a head coach for, what, five years? This is going to be his sixth football season as a head coach. That's that's really inexperienced. So I think we're going to learn a lot about who Tom Herman is going to be in his trajectory as a head coach at Texas this season. Yeah, and I think the fact that Tom Herman is – has gone to people like Dabo Swinney and to Brian Kelly to try to gain some insight into what it's like to be a head coach in year three or four, or in Brian Kelly's case, have made it to a national championship game and then decide to let go of both coordinators and start over after a, a disappointing season. And then, for Brian Kelly, it's been double digit win seasons since. Mm-hmm. And, and so good for Tom Herman to go try and get some insight from others so that he has, uh, you know, this self-reflection, self-scouting mode going on that can only be healthy. I mean, you, you should always be asking yourself, am I doing it the best I can do it? Do I need to go talk to someone else about if there's a better way. So he's, he's had some interesting conversations this off season and we'll see uh, how he can put it to work. Cause I agree with you, Taylor, this is a, this is a key year. This is the year that we've been pointing to really since Tom Herman got the job that Sam Ellinger would be a senior. You'd have a bunch of veterans everywhere. And, and this is that moment. It, it doesn't matter how many new coaches you have or, or, what's going on. People are just going to remember that you had 16 starters uh, coming in with a veteran quarterback who we'll talk about a little bit later in the show, but it's a, it's a wild ride. It's already been a wild ride. And it seems (laughs) like we've been stuck in the same day for the last five months, but it's already been a wild ride and it's going to continue to be. Yeah, for sure. Well, Chip, I think with that, let's bring in our very special guest, uh, the brother of Emmanuel Acha, who was on last week with us, a a lifetime Longhorn and a near-decade veteran in the NFL. So let's go to Sam Acha. All right, joined here uh, by Sam Acha. I mean, my goodness, the Acha brothers, they're everywhere. 
But um, before there was a manual, there was Sam, by God. And, I mean, you know, I think back, Sam, to this 2009 national championship uh, game team that you were on. You led that team in sacks. I mean, with all these dudes on that defense, you were the leader in sacks in 2009, my friend. What do you remember about, uh, about that, that season? And, and then we'll get to the Alabama game. Yeah, I remember just the dudes we had on the team. I remember we had, I believe, 10 of our 11 starters on defense went to the NFL. That's what I remember. I remember just dominant players at every level, uh, at every position. And for me, it was just cool to be able to be a part of it. And so uh, I think I, I fell into some of those sacks, right? Because they were focused on everybody else. So that's, that was a, but yeah, it was, a, it was a great, it was a great memory. It was a great memory. But it's funny, before that game, I remember Coach Brown saying, no matter what happens, don't let this be the biggest day of your life. And that's so I think about whether good things or bad things that happen. He said, this is not going to be the, the biggest or best moment. There's, you're going to go on and get married and have kids and start a family and start businesses. Some of you guys are going to go to the NFL. So this is going to be a great game, but don't let it be the best or worst memory. And, and so I think fast forward 11 years later, I'm married now with three kids. And I'm, I'm thinking, man, that was a great game. But there's other stuff that's bigger and better than winning, losing, or even playing in a national championship. Okay, so you're on that defense with, what, Earl Thomas and, and uh, Henry Melton. And you, you tick through the names. You, you were in all those. Yeah, uh, Lamar Houston. So Lamar Houston, he went to the league. Earl, obviously, all pro. Shockey Brown got drafted. Curtis Brown got drafted. Blake Sergio Gideon Kendall. even had his cup of tea. Serge was out there as well, went to Baltimore. Uh, Emmanuel was on that defense as well. Uh, I may have mentioned already Roderick McElroy was with the Bengals for a little bit. Um, I mean, the list goes on and yeah. on and on and on. And okay, on. so tell me, tell me this, Sam Acho. Would you all have won the game if Cole McCoy does not get hurt in the first quarter against Alabama? Is that a question? Or, I mean, I don't even know what we're, we're well, laughing. What's, I don't see what's the point? Why, why are we even talking about this? Yeah, yeah, that's not even a question. I mean, y'all got off to such a good start. You probably should have been up 14 nothing. Because yeah, no, I, mean, I, yeah. th- I was thinking about the game plan. I just, you know, I think it was Blake Gideon who intercepted a fake punt. Yep. I mean, we had, the, we had it down to a science. We had a fake punt around the six-yard line going out, and we knew it was coming. Dwayne Aquina, our DB coach, and also the special teams coordinator, at least for the punt return unit, knew it was coming. We sat on it, planned on it, picked it off. And, and yeah, I mean, it definitely, was, it definitely was hard having Colt go down. You know, and then go to the offense, right? Guys got Colt went to the NFL as well. It was hard having Colt go down, but at the same time, that's what adversity makes you do. It makes you try to rally together, and then we did. It was we had a lull, then came back in the third quarter, rallied behind Garrett Gilbert, uh, Jordan Ship. We had an amazing catch for a touchdown in that third quarter, brought it back to a closer game, and and uh, you know we didn't get it done. But thirteen and zero going to the national championship and and losing the national championship, it's nothing to uh, to, to balk about. Yeah, no doubt about it. And then, uh, and then 2010, it falls off a cliff. That's your last year at Texas. What happened that year? Yeah, I think sometimes that's what I'm learning a lot is that um, winning can be revealing as can losing. And so a lot of times you have teams that, let's talk about culture, you have teams that, that lose for so long, they don't know how to win. And then you have teams that win for so long. We won so many games. And then we also, a lot of those guys we mentioned, we lost so many guys to the NFL 
I don't remember how many out of that 2019, I don't know if it was eight, nine, 10 guys that got drafted plus guys who were free agents. I mean, it was just one of those things where uh, we lost a lot of guys and we came back and, and, and a lot of close games that we won the year before we didn't win that, that following year. And so it definitely was a, was a, was a tough season. Uh, it definitely was a tough season for sure. And I go well, back to that adversity piece, that adversity piece, like, what do you do? Is this going to be the worst moment of your life? I mean, yeah, it was a bad season, but a lot of guys went on to the NFL and, and had great careers and great seasons. A lot of guys, um, and some guys didn't, you know, so. Well, we're going to get to your role as a NFL PEA executive committee member, but let's also bridge the gap here. You go um, in the fourth round to the Arizona Cardinals and post seven sacks as a rookie. I mean, I remember watching that NFL season going, look at Sam Macho here. I mean, this guy is, is wrecking shop. I mean, you, you explode on the scene your rookie year. Talk about that and what, what stuff you had that enabled you to do that because you've always been one of the smartest players. I mean, the sporting news, 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 the smartest 20 athletes in the world your senior year. I still, at Texas. I still don't know where they, I still don't know where they got those rankings from. I think somebody must've paid somebody to pay somebody, but uh, that was awesome. No, I, just, I just go back to, I just go back to, I mean, we had something special at, at Texas. We did. We had something really special. And so even though we, even though the season we had before we struggled, you think about all the techniques and the tools that all these players had to go on and be successful. You know, I think about some of the names you think when you think Texas football, they go on to the NFL and they're successful. Earl Thomas still playing at an extremely high level. Brian Arakpo had an extremely long, successful, productive career. You know, and I think about guys like Lamar Houston played a long career. Henry Melton kept on getting signed and signed and signed. Multi-million dollar contract. So even the guys who you – and Sam Macho, the guys who's like, well, he was a solid player, but wow, look at what he did. I think it just goes back to just that, that – uh, not even a preparation, but we were given tools to be able to succeed. And, and, and that success happened whether you're with the team at Texas or whether you go on to different places and whether you're uh, – no matter what you're doing. And so I think that's what – those are some of the, the benefits that I had. Uh, well, you know, and obviously so, it was hard. I'm not going to lie. It was – you know, it's not like I sat off. Uh, people tell that story, but the first – what people don't know about that story, the first couple of weeks I wasn't playing a ton. What frustrated, confused, why am I not playing? We were, we were losing. You thought five and seven was bad. Arizona, we were, we were one and six my first seven games. So, you know what I mean? Like, it, it can get worse. And so, I finally had an opportunity, and God just continued to open up doors. So, it was definitely fun. It was definitely just a, one of those confidence builders to say, oh, wow, I can do this. Well, so, you uh, – I mean, nine years later, um, here you are, still, still doing it. You're a free agent right now. But I've just been so impressed with your um, – your, your role, I guess, as an executive committee member of the NFLPA. First time I saw you uh, getting on national television talking about the uh, collective bargaining agreement, I thought you had a great common sense approach to it. You were like, hey, it's going to be good for, you know, the, the, the majority of the NFL uh, players. Now the super elite, maybe not, you know, but you laid it out there. You didn't sugarcoat it. And, and then again on the Rooney rule, you know, when they came forward with, you know, incentivizing your, your position in the third round of, of the draft, if you hire a black coach or GM, you said, no, that's, that's not really 
that's not going to work. And what did you say? Because I thought it was, I thought it was really smart. Yeah, well, I think the issue that, that I'm seeing that a lot of us are seeing, a lot of people in society are seeing is that you got people at the top making decisions and not even asking or looking for input from the people who those decisions affect. And so when you hear about a proposal, let's give the Rooney Rule as an example, that incentivizes teams with increased, increased draft pick based on who your coach or GM is, that makes zero sense. And the thing is, it's like, how about you ask some of these minority coaches what they would think or ask some of these the few minority GMs what they would think and or ask some of the players. I mean, there's so many people who you could just ask what they would think. And so I think that we just go back to a prom, uh, an issue of uh, getting to know one another. I think sometimes as an owner, as a general manager, you don't know what you don't know. And so you're also not comfortable with what you don't know. If you don't know a guy from a different background, you may not be as comfortable hiring him and I think that's what a lot of times we see, not only in the NFL, but in society as a whole. And I think with the, 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 the gap that we need to bridge is this gap of, of uh, it's almost like not a physical distance, but this emotional distance of, I don't really, I don't know why I don't, I'm not comfortable with you, but I'm just not as comfortable with you. And, 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 and instead of trying to force people's hands. Yeah. I mean, I think you said, Hey, let's, let's, let's give some more opportunities to quality control uh, coaches like let's half those positions give those to minorities so that they're in the system and they have a chance to show what they can do in front of the decision makers right yeah and I think some of the yeah and, and that was part of it too and that once again that suggestion came from asking uh, a minority coach who, who reached out to me and, and, and I asked him what do you think and he gave me that he, he mentioned that idea uh, another idea is, is having get, getting a chance to be in for, for for potential GM candidates or potential coaching candidates to get in front of the owners because owners are oftentimes the ones who make these decisions. And if you're not, if you don't get a chance to get in front of them, then you never get an opportunity to, to show really what you, you can do. So it's not an either or, it's a both and. You got to both try and get in the door, but also there's an issue with once you're in the door, a lot of times these, these high level getting passed up by, by other coaches who don't look like them. And then, so there's a frustration there as well. So you got to get in the door. There's a ton of quality minority coaches in the NFL, but a lot of times they're getting looked over. All right. So let's, uh, let's, let's talk about where you are right now. Nine years in the NFL, uh, productive. You, you played for the Arizona Cardinals, the Bears. Um, what, what are you hearing right now? What you and your agent, what's, what's the thought process? Yeah, well, two cool things are happening right now. So four years with the Cardinals, four years with the Bears. I, I played last year with Tampa Bay, the last eight games of the season, last half of the season with Tampa Bay, and, and excited about going back there. I've had talks with the coach there and the GM and the, the head coach, the linebacker coach. And, and so there's interest in coming back, but obviously COVID has kind of slowed some of that down with seeing who's going to, you know, who's available and who's healthy and all those kind of things. And so that's one thing that, that exci that's exciting, but I'm also excited about what happens after football. I got a book coming out in the fall that I'm really excited about. It's called Let the World See You, How to Be Real in a World Full of Fakes. And so that's coming out in the fall, and, and I'm really pumped about that opportunity just to share what it's like, I guess, to pull the, pull the curtain back a little bit for people who think they know Texas football or people who think they know NFL football or people who just don't even care as much about football but want to know, man, what is it like to, to go through some of the struggles that I go through on a daily basis individually, not just me, anybody. And so I'm excited about that. And excited about uh, ideally going back and playing another season. But if not, like Coach Brown said, um, the NFL is not going to be the best, best times of my life. 
Okay, well, let me – bigger and better things ahead. By the way, I love the title of the book, How to Be Real in a World Full of Fakes. I love it. Um, all right, so you're smart. You know how to kind of size things up, and you've quoted Mac Brown twice. What happened, what happened to Mac in 2010? There were a lot of people saying he, was, he couldn't get over the loss to Alabama, that he was, he was more distant, he was less patient, he, was, he didn't like that Muschamp was the coach in waiting, and blah, you know. What, what did you see from, from Mac that year? Yeah, I think the, the interesting, interesting, I don't want to call it a conundrum, but the interesting place that you're at as a leader is that when things go good, it's all about you. And when things go bad, it's all about you. But the interesting thing about Mac Brown is that he never made it all about him. Whenever we won, and even go back to 05, whenever, we, whenever Texas wins, it's never about him. It's always about the player. And, and better yet, even the coaches as well. He'll give props to the coaches. And whenever Texas loses, he would be the guy to take the responsibility. But we, what people don't understand is the things that he did to get us where we're at. Uh, look at what North Carolina's doing right now. So, so right. somebody come and tell me Matt Brown's not a good coach. Like, look at what look at what UNC's doing right now. And so, for me, I just think about um, how he helped get us to where we were at, and he and he gave away credit. But then when we lose, it seems like it seems like everyone's trying to place the blame on him, blame on him, and there's no blame that can be put on. I don't think there's any blame in general, right? Um, yeah, it's life just, is uh... life is sick. Life is cyclical sometimes. You know, Alabama is a, is a powerhouse now, but 20, 30 years ago, they were um, not very good, put it that way. Not even 20, forget 20, uh, 15, 16 years ago, they were not very good. USC is, is at a low point now. Well, back when I was getting recruited, it was USC versus Texas. That was where the teams. And so uh, life, in, the, life in, in general, life in the NFL, life in college football, can tend to be cyclical. No one's going to be on top forever. No one's going to be on bottom forever. So you got to learn to go with the ebbs and the flows, the ups and the downs. And I think that I mean, for an extremely long time, uh, Coach Brown had more highs than he did lows. And so, yeah. Yeah. And, and the quarterback position, right? Texas had a, a, a run of about seven incredible years of quarterbacking with Vince Young and, and Colt McCoy, who's both, both of their names are up in the stadium. Uh, that helps, too. But yeah. talking to Sam Acho, great conversation. And your family's amazing. I mean, your dad, the fact that you all go, um, you know, and kind of do this doctor without borders um, in, in Africa, helping, yeah, you know. Living Hope, yeah, Living Hope Christian Ministries. Yeah. yeah, my parents started it 30 years ago. And every summer, um, we go to Nigeria, do medical mission work. So that's, I mean, once again, like I love, like I got my, I, I'm a longhorn for life, right? Like that's, that's who I, that's part of who I am, but it's just like, and Coach Brown helped, helped us understand this. There's so much more than football. Football is important, but don't let that be the only thing. Does that make sense? That's one thing. I think that's one thing that no matter what your record is, and yes, we won more than we lost. Colt was 45 and three, I believe was his record. Um, you know, so we won more right. than we lost, but, um, and everyone wants to highlight your losses and, and all those kind of things. But, I remember my, my, my first year, we were 10-3, and three, won the Holiday Bowl. My second year, we were 12-1 and one and won the Fiesta Bowl against Ohio State. My third year, we were 13-0, uh, went to the national championship and, and, and lost to the national championship. I mean, so everybody wants to talk about, well, but what happened in, in 10 And it's like, well, shoot, Colt, he was 45-3. and three, And I was, I don't I haven't amassed my record. But, I mean, those, that's, that's already something, 40 wins right there. And so, 
anyways, yeah, life is cyclical. And so I think my biggest encouragement, even with this Corona situation, people are like, man, I lost my job, or I don't know what the future is going to look like, or I can't meet people. That's sometimes that's how life is. You got to, you got to play the hand that you're dealt and also understand that you don't know what, what's right around the bend. You, you have to just trust what you got right now and, and take things one day at a time. All right. And, and, and that is great advice. And your younger brother, Emmanuel Acho, I mean, this is pretty cool that you're leading the team in sacks and tackles for loss in, in 09 and 10. And then he leads the team in tackles in 11. And then he goes on, does not have the NFL career maybe that he wanted or what, but the guy was on to the next. And now the guy was blowing up like a, the TV star, which I also see for you when, when you decide to do that. But uh, talk about Emmanuel, your, your younger brother, and how it seemed like, I guess, what, a couple months ago, I couldn't turn on an ESPN show without seeing him on it, whether it was the morning <laughs> show or college football live or I don't yeah. know. Every first take, yeah. your thoughts. He's, yeah, he's doing great. And for me, it's been exciting, and I'll end with this. It's been exciting because though he's my younger brother, he he helped pave the way even for me playing football he was he's two years younger than me but he was the first one in our family to play football my parents came from nigeria and we were doing basketball and soccer and all these things and he played football and i saw him play and play at a high level he was in the fourth or fifth grade and after he did it i did it and then we both became successful we both went on to play in the nfl he played four years and now he's an espn star and i'm you know i'm going on my 10th year and and so, and then, so I think about just his leadership there, though he's the younger brother. I think about even at Texas, I played and did well. Then he went and he, he, he did well as well. He, you know, his, his, their record, but they I remember beating out, beating um, A&M essentially to send them off and all those kind of things. And so he did well. And then now he's transitioned to TV and killing it on TV. And so for me, getting a chance to go on TV with him and be on Get Up with him a couple months ago, it was just a really cool opportunity because once again, him paving the way and then him doing his thing on TV, then me getting a chance to go on and, and be on first take. And it, it, just a, it was just a cool opportunity to see that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Our, our mother and our dad, our mom and dad have done an unbelievable job. And Coach Brown, all the coaches I still keep in touch with, they say, yeah, Sam, you're great. Emmanuel, you're great. But man, you have some great parents. And so I think that's when the thing, one of the things that, that I just remember is, yeah, my brother led the way in a lot of ways. But also, we were following the lead of my parents. Well, and it's, it's fantastic stuff. I mean, it really is. And he is – I mean, he tells it like it is, too, to the point where Longhorn Nation is like, hey, man, I don't know about this Emmanuel Acho. You know, he's kind of polarizing. Is he just saying stuff? But, hey, keeping it real in a world of fakes, right? Yeah, exactly. He's let, that's the thing. Let the world see you. Sometimes you got to – sometimes you got to take off your mask and just let the world see you. I think so many of us hide – whether it's, you know, we're ashamed of things that we don't want anybody to find out about or whether we, we feel like, man, I might be, I don't want to intimidate these other guys. Let me just not be as great as I'm supposed to be. And that's, that's, that's I think the opposite is true. I think we, if God gave us a greatness inside of us, we should show that. And, and it's not even a greatness in football or in speaking or on TV. Sometimes people's humility is what makes them great. Sometimes the way people serve is what makes them great. Sometimes the way they just love other people is what makes them who God made them to be. And so I think that our job is to let our light shine. Our job is to show up, show the world who we are. And yes, sometimes it may be polarizing, but it also may just get you to be the, the youngest ESPN, youngest guy on ESPN, uh, Forbes 30 under 30. Um, that's Emmanuel, or uh, the 
you know, 30 under 30 ESPN. I mean, it, but it took him coming out of his shell. And I think that uh, anybody who does that, and you'll find out this in the book. Just, and if you want to know more about the books, go to my social media at the Sam Macho uh, or follow me on Facebook, all these kind of things, Sam Macho on Facebook. Um, sometimes coming out of our shell gives everyone else the ability and the freedom to do the same. And I use Emmanuel as that example. Him going to play football, I followed that lead. And now I'm doing, uh, doing it at a longer, uh, you know, longer than he did. But if he would never have done it, I would never would have had an opportunity to do it. And so, yeah, I think it's just time for us to take off our mask and let the world see us. I mean, can you see yourself in that role too someday? Yeah, I, I'm still, you I know, can. I'm still, yeah, I'm still thinking. And, and, you know, one of my passions is just, you know, I love, I just love speaking and encouraging people. And like I said, it, it's sometimes more than just about sports. But if there, but sometimes you can't find these intersections of, of sport, of, of, culture, um, social issues, family, faith, all these things. And that's kind of where I want to reside. Okay. I asked you this when you were at Texas, there was some like, uh, I don't know if it was the Canterbury tales or something, something that you had memorized still from when you were in high school it was like old English or something. And I, I can't even remember what it was, but I was so impressed. I was like, Sam Acho is like the smartest guy I've ever met in my life. Do you remember what it was? Yeah. And, and you could just say I have a relatively solid memory. Um, but yeah, it was a Canterbury Tales of Middle English. We did it in, in high school and I still I remember that. And I think that's probably what helped me do, do good at football, right? Just memorizing plays and looking at people's tendencies. So yeah, Canterbury Tales and Shakespeare. Okay, give me just a little. Like just give me a little. Just give me a little. Um, I'll do, so here's what I'll do. So I, I'll do some Shakespeare. So I, I got the Canterbury Tales and, and I got some, I'll do some Shakespeare. Um, to be or not to be, that is the question. Whether it is nobler in the mind to suffer the pangs and arrows of outrageous fortune or to take arms against them and by opposing end them to die, to sleep no more. And by sleep to say we end the heartaches that flesh is naturally heir to. Tis the consummation devoutly to be wished to die. To sleep, to sleep perchance to dream. Aye, there's the rub. For in that sleep of death, what dreams may come? And that's just like a little piece of uh, the to be or not to be from, from Shakespeare. And yeah. I love it. I love it. So tell me, how many people are on this executive committee for the NFLPA? Because you're the only person I'm, I'm hearing from. And it, that's, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think you're probably the best spokesman of the group. But how many people are on that executive committee? Yeah, there's about uh, not nine guys. There's a president, uh, treasurer, and then nine uh, executive, nine vice president, presidents, if you will. So guys like guys who are well respected in the league: Benjamin Watson, Lorenzo Alexander, Richard Sherman, um, you know, Alex Mack. Guys who you know, guys who are on the, the all-decade team: Calais Campbell. But guys whose voices are respected among the league. I think a lot of those guys are using their voice as well. Um, and yeah. I was going to say, you didn't, did they vote you the spokesman? No, but I just love talking. And so I just, good. any opportunity I get, I'll take it. That's good. That's good. Yeah. All right. Well, Sam, tell us something. Tell, tell us something. We always ask this question. Tell us something. And I'm going to ask it about Emmanuel too. Tell us something we don't know about your younger brother. He brushes his teeth like seven times a day. Seven times a day. I mean, it's more than three. I'll just tell you that much. And it's not just morning and night. It's like between meals, between, between takes, 
Uh, no, I'm kidding. But he brushes a lot. That's all I know. And I, I found this out a couple months ago. I didn't even realize it. So, hey, he's never gonna have my one of my biggest pet peeves, which is bad breath. You know, <laughs> I'm always yeah, I'm always brushing and rinsing with Listerine too. So I'm 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 good with that. All right, tell us something we don't know about Sam Acho. Um, I love Frozen. You love the movie Frozen. Love the movie Frozen. Would How old are it, your kids? Would watch, the, would watch. Oh, this is, has nothing to do with my kids. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, they're five, three, and one. But I'm I'm Frozen regardless of them. I would I would watch oftentimes before some games. I'd watch the Let It Go. Listen to Let It Go. So that's a little 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 tidbit about about me. Okay, so as uh, you're in the locker room right now, you're about to go out for kickoff. You're listening to Let It Go, and what's going 100%. through your mind? Oh man, like. This ice queen, right, uh, Elsa, who is just this – I mean, it, it goes back to the book, Let the World See You. She's been hiding. She's been hiding who she is for so long, and she's essentially saying, hey, it's time to let it go. Let the world – let everybody see you. Let the world see you. It's time to just show yourself. And so um, – which is an, uh, an ode to Frozen 2. There's a song called Show Yourself There. Um, and so, yeah. So, anyway, just thinking just the freedom that you have. Like, this is the game. Have fun. Enjoy it. And, and don't worry about it. Tell us something we don't know about that 2009 team, a player, a something or other that happened. Oh, we just had a blast. We had a blast. Um, it was a fun team. It was, you know, I remember Coach Brown doing the Soldier Boy dance before, before uh, uh, one of the games in the locker room. Like he just had this way of getting us loose. It was just a fun, fun, fun squad. Yeah, that's cool, man. That's cool. Well, listen, um, so people, tell people where to go to get the information about your book coming out, Being Real in a World of Fakes. Yeah, so definitely. So the book is called Let the World See You, okay. How to Be Real in a World Full of Fakes. And just um, the, be the biggest and best thing is, um, you know, shoot, shoot me an email, achobutler at gmail.com. I'll give you some, some cool insights on it. Or follow me on social media at uh, the Sam Acho on Instagram, on Twitter, even on Facebook. Follow my Facebook page as well. Uh, but yeah, I'd love just to connect and, and just, and just get to you, get to know you all and, and have you all get to know me. Well, Sam, you're, I mean, you're the best and you're, uh, you, you caught my attention when you were a player at Texas with just how much energy and exuberance for life you have. And it's great to see you thriving. It's great to see you, um, on this zoom call, you know what I mean? And, uh, and you're, are you living here in Austin? Where are you living? Yeah, so I'm actually in Arizona training right now, um, and and uh, but obviously get back to Austin as often as I can, and come back to Dallas with family. But yeah, I'm in Arizona training, getting ready for uh, for the season. And but yeah, I mean that's a, that's the thing. Like God's been super faithful to me and my family just for what He's done, bringing my parents from Nigeria to the United States. Not even they not, I'm not even knowing what football was, and then having my brother play in the fourth or fifth grade, and me start playing, and I wasn't very good, especially early on, and. Uh, People might still think I'm not very good right now, um, you know, but uh, but then having a chance just to play in the NFL going on my 10th year and then Emmanuel played for four years now doing ESPN and Fox and all these different things that he's doing. And then so just I think about the faithfulness of God and and how in 2020 we're talking about something from 11 years ago that some people think is still the most awesome thing in your background. You have to Vince Young. I mean, like, think about that. I'm wearing my Texas thing. So think about how like one little thing can take you from one place to another. And that's just I'm just like, God, thank you for. Um, this is some, his kindness towards me and my family.
Yeah, it's awesome. Oh, you saw the you saw the Vince yeah. Young Sports yeah. Illustrated cover there. Sam, you're the best, man. Let's do this more often. I'll give you plenty of reps to get your next career going. You know what I mean? Uh, I appreciate it, Chip. Thanks for, uh, thanks for your time. Hey, Sam Acho, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks so much for the time. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Great stuff, and always love hearing from the Acho family, and great stuff from Sam Acho. You know, Chip, I think it'll be really interesting to see if he winds up at in Tampa once again with uh, so many changes going to the Bucks, adding Tom Brady, adding the absolutely crazy Rob Gronkowski that I just can't get enough of. I mean, what what would be your favorite thing about going back to Tampa if you were Sam? Yeah, I mean. The guy, Sam Acho, he gets drafted by an Arizona Cardinals team that really struggles, goes through a coaching change. Um, you know, Ken Wisenhunt gets fired. Bruce Arians comes in and then he's off to Chicago where they're, they haven't had success. And then Todd Bowles and Bruce Arians, his old, you know, his old coaches in Arizona say, Hey, come to Tampa. And so, I think it'd be great for Sam, first of all, because it might mean a chance to be on a team that goes to the playoffs. Right. And maybe have some playoff success. So just from that standpoint, but with the way that Sam Acho is talking about, you know, writing his book and just all the bigger picture views that he has, this guy, uh, probably, we're probably more excited about him you know, being on a team that might have a chance to to do something in the postseason than Sam is because Sam, I think, looks at every day as a, a chance to try to reach out to people and and get them to look at life in a different light. So um, I would love it selfishly. <laughs> I think you would, too, because mm-hmm. you just said you love Brady and Gronk. And well, Gronk, no, I don't well, know Gronk. I'm a big Tom Brady fan. 
from Tom Brady. No, he, I mean, he's one of the best to ever play the game, but I just think I crazy people are always fun to watch. So Gronk oh, yeah. fits that category really well. Tom Brady's just kind of like the, meh, meh. although his personality showed more on the match. I'll say that, you know, that was, it was fun to see that side of Tom Brady. And I feel like since he's gone to Tampa, he kind of has shown a little bit more of a lighter side, a more personality that I don't think many people have seen from him just because he's always been so methodical and mechanical almost with everything in his career, which I mean, what does he have five or six Super Bowl rings to prove for it now? Oh, uh, well, I, he has less than Brady, but um, I'm with you on this. That's on but I mean, Tom Brady. Yeah. I, I'm convinced that that Brady is doing this because he wants to do it a different way. He's mm-hmm. done it the Patriot way, the buttoned up way, the don't talk, don't draw attention to yourself way. I think it sort of has uh, opened up this new lease on life for Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski by going off to, to play for Bruce Arians, who's a notorious players coach, a guy who tells everyone, get your work done and then go spend time with your family. Mm-hmm. And, and he, he will have a beer with his team. You know, it's a totally different way of doing things. So yeah, I think it'd be, I think it'd be great. It's not the Belichick way. (laughs) It's not the Belichick way. (laughs) So now we're going to see if, if Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski can win any other way than the, than the Belichick way. Cause I think that's what they really want to see if they can do and enjoy. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Done it one way. Let's try it another way. May as well. I mean, you're towards the end of your career. You may as well. I think, I think it's yeah. going to be interesting to see. And, um, well, Chip, you know, let's, uh, do our weekly segment. So we do our weekly segment every week on the flagship called love it or leave it. I'm going to pose some statements to you. And if Chip agrees with it, he's going to love it. If he disagrees with it, he's going to leave it. We'll see how uh, I match up with <laughs> his uh, picks here. But so going back to, the SEC and the Big 12 announcing the dates for voluntary workouts. My statement for you is with the SEC going back to voluntary workouts beginning June 8th, Texas is put at a disadvantage with the Big 12 allowing teams to return one week after the SEC. Love it or leave it. You know, this sounds like much ado about nothing because technically these workouts are supposed to just be voluntary. No football staff, no coaches, no quality control coaches, no, no, nothing mm-hmm. uh, can be involved with these workouts. This is, this is separate from the eight hours that the NCAA has been giving teams to meet uh, with their players during the week. So you have all the zoom meetings and everything else. This is completely different from that. This is, this is just a place for student athletes to go work out. Right. Instead of going to some other gym, they get to come to their gym where they're on scholarship. And as long as the school's doing what it's supposed to be doing and maintaining a completely sanitized workout area, then this is really about convenience. Right. For these student athletes. Now, you, me, everyone who is passionate about college football is always worried about an opponent getting an edge, getting an advantage. So this seems more like perception than reality to me in terms of any kind of advantage 
that is picked up. But I mean, we know everybody's looking for that little, that little edge. Maybe the coaches aren't in the weight room, but maybe they're there right outside the weight room. Right. <laughs> to talk to them about their workout or blah, blah, blah. So I, my, my gut is this is much ado about nothing. Don't sweat this one fans. This, this is uh this is not a huge advantage for the sec. Yeah, I agree. I think I'm going to leave this one as well. And especially if we're talking about Texas specifically, you know, we mentioned, mentioned earlier in the show about how Texas has a lot of leaders coming back, you know, and they've already kind of already established themselves. I think this is more, you know, probably, as you mentioned, beneficial to having the guys in a controlled environment where they're doing workouts with the strength staff, with the nutrition staff. And while they've been able to do that stuff, you know, virtually via Zoom and whatnot, it's still different than being in your own facility working out. Um, But overall, like, I don't think one week is really going to make or break it. If Texas loses to LSU on September 12th, I don't think anybody's going to be like, well, the SEC went back one week early for a voluntary workout. I just don't see that happening either. So I'm, I'm going to leave it. Hey, we agreed. Huh? Hey, I think, <laughs> you know, I mean, great minds. Yeah. Right. Uh, who knows All what right. the next question is going to bring. Yeah. All right, Chip, love it or leave it. Sam Ellinger is the best quarterback in the big 12 in 2020. Yeah, I, I absolutely think that is, I'm loving this. I mean, mm-hmm. Sam Ellinger has got the big game experience He's, he's beaten OU in the Red River shootout. He's, he's beaten Georgia in the, in the Sugar Bowl. And, you know, he's a warrior. I've said his, his numbers and the decline of the offense over the second half of last season was more about Tom Herman and defenses catching up to Tom Herman, the play caller, on top of a sort of piecemeal offensive game plan by committee Mm -hmm. I mean Larry Fedora was helping with this game plan he was a quality control guy I mean it um, it just was a recipe for leaks not not leaks but cracks and problems and once defenses locked in to certain things we saw Texas struggle yeah Um, some struggle against Oklahoma mightily I mean my goodness gosh 15 tackles for loss, nine sacks. Honestly, that's when people just stopped paying attention to Sam Ellinger. Yeah. Because they saw him get sacked nine times. It was only a one possession game, Mm -hmm. but they saw him get sacked nine times and the Texas offense looked terrible. The defense held that thing together. And then obviously the TCU game where they're up 10 in the third quarter and then three interceptions from Ellinger, but the play calling I mean, Gary Patterson was all over the offensive play calling by Texas in that game. So this is going to be a completely different Texas team, I think, for the better. Mm -hmm. I think Sam Ellinger and Mike Yurcich are thinking, hey, we're going to light this thing up. We got all kinds of great ideas. So I think you put Sam Ellinger with all his toughness, his experience, his leadership, his look, he's a he's a very competent passer, high completion percentage. He holds the big 12 record for pass attempts without an interception, 308 passes. This guy's the best quarterback in the big 12. And if he doesn't finish that way, then it's on the coaching, right? Well, yeah, something happened along the way here. 
Mm -hmm. They got out coached. Right. Um, probably by the guy north of the Red River. So, you know, because everybody's talking about Spencer Rattler, Spencer Rattler. I think he's got better Heisman odds than Sam Ellinger. And that's all because of Lincoln Riley and his ability to plug and play a quarterback. So this year, Sam Ellinger is the best quarterback for all the reasons I just mentioned and and needs to finish the season that way. Yeah. And I agree with that too. Uh, I mean, one, one quarterback I feel like has kind of been overlooked some has been Charlie Brewer at Baylor. Now the, the problem that Baylor has is they're not just breaking in new assistant coaches. They're breaking in a new head coach who, you know, uh, Dave Aranda, who is the defense coordinator at LSU. So they have a defensive minded head coach. Um, now I don't, I don't doubt that, you know, Matt rule and, uh, the former staff really kind of built up the Baylor, offense you know because the Baylor's offense has been pretty solid for and now it's being run by Larry Fedora who was helping yeah. Tom Herman mm -hmm. put his game plans together he knows Texas all the secrets year. all yeah. the secrets that Texas has so um but I do think I agree with this you know if Sam Ellinger does not finish his senior season as the top quarterback in the Big 12 then this has red flags written all over it for me of the Tom Herman era in general um, you know, this is supposed to be the offensive guru type of head coach. And if you have a, a kid going into a senior year who has already been solid and has started, you know, since he was a true freshman, if he tanks his senior year, then the problem is not on the roster. I'll say that the problem would be inside the, the program. Um, but I, you know, I'm going to agree with you just because I, I believe in Sam Ellinger. I mean, I've seen that kid since he was a, going into his junior year of high school he was always underrated. Um, you know, he didn't make a huge splash in the recruiting game just because he committed to Texas so early. So, you know, and everything everybody knew when Sam Ellinger committed to Texas, he was going to Texas. You know, he grew up a fan, grew up in the backyard, you know, um, from Austin Westlake High School. And so, yeah, you know, I do think that I, I have full faith in Sam Ellinger as long as he's being put in the right situation to win. Then I think that he will end this year as the best quarterback in the Big 12. Yep. All right, two for two. Look at this. Hey, now. Now, I think we're going to disagree with this one. So, Texas has now lost two tight end commitments in the 2021 class in Lake McCree and Landon King. Love it or leave it, now is the time to panic for tight end recruiting. Um, you know, I can, I can straddle the fence on this one, but I'm not going to. I'm going to say... I'm going to leave that now is the time to panic. Now, it's clear that um, people are looking at not only Tom Herman's lack of throwing to the tight end, mm -hmm. when you have a guy like Cade Brewer who's got great hands. I've been talking about this guy as a David Thomas starter kit. Since oh, you and your freshman. starter kids. <laughs> now he's a senior. I know. <laughs> and he still can't get any passes thrown his way, which is just uh, frustrating. But how about this? Mike Yersich, who does not have a reputation for featuring the tight end at all. And if you look back at his numbers at Oklahoma State, it will bear that out because Blake Jarwin, the Cowboys, tight end played at Oklahoma state and nobody remembers Blake Jarwin making big plays uh, for Oklahoma state. He did that all 
as an undrafted free agent working his way up and and scratching and clawing his way into the lineup for the Cowboys. I think Blake Jarwin is a fantastic tight end. So I don't know if that helps or hurts Mike Yersich. Yeah. That that Blake Jarwin, you know, hey, I coach Blake Jarwin. Yeah, but you never threw to him, you know. Yeah. But um so it's he's going to have to show. I mean, Mike Yersich is going to have to show that he's willing to to throw the ball to the tight end before high quality tight ends in the recruiting game say yes to Texas. It will probably be a late recruiting situation at tight end Taylor. Mm -hmm. Um, And they've got some guys in the, in the pipeline, obviously with Jared Wiley and, and Braden Librock. But when you have, you know, Lake McCree, a talented tight end from, from Lake Travis, where Cade Brewer's from Mm -hmm. um, and Landon King, another, um, you know, solid tight end prospect decommit you're probably going to have to now show um something this fall and catch a commitment late in the process or a signing in february yeah i mean i i kind of am straddling the fence a little bit on this one just to go against i'm going to say that now is a right a little bit of time to panic for texas i mean as you mentioned you know mike yersich doesn't have the history of the you know the the basically as an offensive coordinator, having a successful tight end. And in addition to that, you know, Texas is tight. It's not just on Mike Yersich. Texas tight ends coach is Jay Bulware, who used to play at the University of Texas. And he is also the third highest paid assistant on Texas staff. He has been guaranteed $700,000 over three years. So $2.1 million has been put into the hands of a tight end. coming with the hammer today. And so, yeah. Contract terms out. I mean, that to me, that's, that's a, that's a red flag and it doesn't help. Like I I will give them a little bit of a pass because it doesn't help that they haven't been able to get these guys on campus. They haven't been able to show anything on film without a football season. They can't even show at practice what they're doing with the tight end because they didn't have spring practice. So it's, it's kind of the perfect storm um, for disaster for the position right now. Now, if Texas can find a way to get tight ends more in the game plan, um, you know, as you mentioned with Cade Brewer and then Jared Wiley, Brayden, uh, is it Librock or Librock? I always, I always say Librock and that's, okay. uh, well, uh, <laughs> Brayden, <laughs> um, you know, then, then I think this could change, but right now it's not trending in Texas direction. So I think that it is a little bit of a time to panic. I don't know if it's full you know, time to full-blown sound the alarm, but there should be a little bit of concern right now. All right, I'm going to throw a, um, a kind of random one at you. We, so we talked a little bit earlier about the match between uh, Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady versus Tiger Woods and Peyton Manning and how successful it was over the weekend. So, Chip, I'm going to present this to you. After seeing the success of the match, Love it or leave it, pro golf should mic up the players if fans are not allowed in attendance. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Um, I mean, we got to get some uh, we got to get some entertainment into the uh, the golf world. And these guys are funny. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you've ever spent any time around golfers, they're caddies. They all have a great sense of humor and talk trash and bet money during the practice rounds. Yes, we need we need these guys mic'd up. I mean, some of the best stuff from the match with 
Peyton Manning and Tom Brady was when Peyton Manning was talking about, man, it's hard to get into Tom Brady's head. I could have brought Eli Manning to caddy for me. He said, I could have brought Nick Foles. And then Brady was like, that's a cheap shot. <laughs> too soon. Too of soon. Of course, because <laughs> my man, Nick Foles, Super Bowl 52 MVP, did put on the best MVP performance in Super Bowl history, outdueling Tom Brady, who threw for 500 yards in that Super Bowl, mind you. Right. And I did bet on him, Nick Foles, to win the MVP and cleaned up in Vegas. But I bet. <laughs> a whole nother story. But yes, please microphone microphone mic them all up or they know who the funny guys are who the guys are with the personalities so yeah if we're gonna have golf tournaments without fans let's let's get some chatter going among the participants and taylor you you actually did a golf uh lesson with one of the best <laughs> golf talkers of all time lee trevino yes yeah so it was really random my first the first time I ever um, interviewing a professional athlete was, I forget the name of the tournament, but it used to be in Austin. Um, uh, oh shoot. I can't remember what it was, but it was a, it was a pro-am type of tournament and Lee Trevina was there. That was one of the biggest name golfers who was there. And I love, um, happy Gilmore is like one of my favorite movies. So obviously Lee Trevino has uh, some cameos in there, but so I'm standing there waiting to interview him and he's uh just practicing out on uh the driving range and he calls me over to him and is like hey and, and this is what's going to be a video interview so i had a cameraman with me and he starts taking the video lee Trino calls me over and he goes let me see what you got i want to see what your golf swing is like so no pressure at all like i'm wearing heels i'm in jeans i have not taken a single practice like you know shot nothing like haven't picked up a golf club probably in like six months or so so I go up there and not to toot my own horn but literally one of the best drives I've ever had in my entire life just so happened to be barefoot in front of Lee Trevino <laughs> on there I actually tweeted it recently if you go to my Twitter handle Taylor Estes 247 um you will see I recently tweeted the video of it because it's more of like one of my more athletic, but not really athletic moments of my adult life that was documented. And then at the end, Lee Trevino gives me a hug and he goes, she showed me up the hell with her. <laughs> I was like, yes. <laughs> well, he has, he has one of the great lines in like golf history. He's playing in the final round of US Open with a guy named Raymond Floyd. Mm -hmm. and of course, Lee Trevino is known for his nonstop chatter. Yeah. And Ray Floyd says to him, hey, Lee, no talking today. No talking today. No talking. And Lee said, you don't got to talk, Ray. You just got to listen. <laughs> that is good. Uh, oh, yeah. gosh. Yeah. So, I yeah. Knew, yeah. It would be fun to hear some of those golfers. The one thing I would say, it would, pro it would probably somehow impact their game if they have a microphone pack on them. So they'd have to almost have boom mics more so near the players because I don't think any of them would want to agree to having you know a monster mic pack in their back pocket that's attached to their shirt when they have to swing a club so but yeah I agree I think it would make I mean I like watching golf um I think I have a little bit more of an appreciation for it after I went to the masters because I never really watched too many tournaments before then but when I went to the masters and seeing these people in person then I've been to Dell match play in Austin a number of times and it's you know, it's, it's so fun to go to those 
And you kind of, you know, the practice rounds when you hear the players kind of have some personality and stuff. It's, it makes golf more interesting. And I think it might bring in a lot more people if they start showing those personalities more so. All right. Wow. A lot of agreement today. I know. What's going on? A lot on? of agreement in the I haven't even made agreement. fun of you about anything either. Like. I know. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, there's, that's what next week is for. Yeah. So until then, folks, uh, please uh, go subscribe to the flagship podcast and to all the Horns 24-7 podcasts over at iTunes. Give us a five-star rating so that our, our bosses think that we're actually doing some positive in, in the world. <laughs> And uh, and thanks to Sam Acho, great stuff, uh, just rock solid guy. Wow! And uh, on the heels of talking to Emmanuel Acho, so uh, Taylor, you're the best. You make this. Uh, you're the engine that fuels the uh, horn. You know, the horn's 24/7 flagship podcast. And um, well, and you know, just enjoy doing this every week. So. Until then, everybody stay safe, keep the faith, and uh, we'll talk to you next week right here on the Flagship Podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.